Hey, Zeke. See? Did you know that today's show is sponsored by CastCartel.com? Maybe. When you're sitting at home at night and it's late, the liquor store is closed, you're bored, you're on the couch, you're like, I'm all out of my Wheatley vodka or I'm all out of my gin. You got to get more. Or maybe it's your whiskey. Whatever it is, CastCartel.com will get it shipped right to your door. They have some store picks, even though it's not a lot. There's some breaking bourbon picks on there. This is not going to be the place you go to get crazy bourbon and crazy whiskey. But if you want some good daily drinkers, be it bourbon, be it gin, be it vodka, tequila, mezcal, whatever it is, go to CastCartel.com. They are changing the industry standard. They're like the Amazon of the spirits industry. You know what that means, Zeke? I know what Amazon is. So you know how Amazon is not the one who's actually doing the selling? They're kind of getting stores. They're a place to bring stores together with the consumer. I mean, I hit this pay button on Amazon.com. Yeah, it goes through Amazon, but there is another store that is actually fulfilling that order. Okay, yes. So that's what Cast Cartel does, so that you can sit on the couch with one hand and order your liquor. One hand, you say? Yeah. Cascartel.com. Follow them on Instagram, cascartel.com, or also follow them on Facebook. Another thing I have to tell you before we start the show, it's a secret. You got a lot on your forehead today. Why? Well, you just keep telling me stuff. But it is a secret, and the secret is out. If you are a distillery, you probably already know the secret. Distilleryproducts.com has the best prices and selection around for your engraved laser etched glass needs they have all your glen karens they are the only place in america that is a wholesaler where you can get the neat glass they have the tua glass and that is an irish whiskey tasting glass it's a total secret the people that knew about them the way that i found out about them was distilleries and they have great wholesale products that you can engrave. That's what we use for all of our glasses on the show, distilleryproducts.com. They have flasks, glasses, all sorts of cool stuff. If you want to put a brand on it or a logo on it, if you are a bourbon group, if you are a store, if you are a distillery, you are missing the boat if you are not using distilleryproducts.com. And we thank them for providing all of our glassware on Dad's Drinking Bourbon. Might be a tough move with the uh, the Tua glass here in the South. Is that like a football reference? Yeah, Alabama's quarterback. He goes by the name of Tua. Well, I have Thria. Well, Kentucky's Thria ain't going to beat Alabama and Tua. No. Distilleryproducts.com. Check them out. <laughs> Everyone, my name is John Edwards, and I am Sam Zeke Baker, but together we make the Dad's Drinking Bourbon. Wherever you are, whatever time it is, thank you for making us a part of your day. Normally, I would say hello to Zeke, but today I'm going to say hello to my friend Patrick Spaulding, who is the sales manager for New Rift Distilling. And this is kind of crazy. We don't always get cool people to meet us at the 21C Hotel in Nashville. And I am so surprised that I'm even saying the 21C Hotel in Nashville. Right. Because typically you would say the 21C Hotel in Louisville. Correct. Which I love the place uh, where you go and all the, the letters fall down. Right. You know, that's like Trying to write a word with the top of your head. That, yeah. That kind of thing. Yeah. I think there's an old picture. Uh, I was up there and I had, uh, it used to be like my Facebook profile picture and it was words bouncing off my bald head yeah right, right but i also have no idea now i used to live in the building next door to this one and it's just such a, a funny thing that i walked in and i'm like you guys made me come downtown i never come downtown anymore because downtown is, is a shit show in nashville i think somebody just wanted to come on our podcast speaking of shit the, show, the more the merrier right yeah but it it's um this hotel is crazy. It's bumping. There's bass going. Very hip. It is. It's way too hip for a dad. <laughs> yeah, right. I am not this cool anymore. I'm like, if you want to come over to my house and talk whiskey and time to turn back the clock. Yeah, you're not a dad, are you? No, sir. Where's is this table wood? Yeah. Can I knock on that? Well, I mean, you you have a wife. I have. Yes. 
You have yes, a sir. wife. How I, long have you I been married? I tricked one. I tricked one. Coming up on four years. Yeah. It's going to happen soon. Uh, You're in your 30s now. We, we just got to know each other. I don't know why you have to cuss at me like that i'm just saying i mean you're in your 30s now the other big thing you got to figure out is like how old do you want to be when the kid goes off to college fair enough so you don't want to like have the kid when you're 40 and then be 60 and then those prime years when you're not doing anything like you're 60 years old and you're like well i don't want to travel honey i just want to stay home <laughs> you know like you want some years you know, in your 50s. Maybe I'm lying to myself and I'll be, you know, a, a great silver fox George Clooney still traveling the world into my golden years. I mean, you're a good Kentucky boy. Fair. I know that whoever <laughs> you're with, I don't know your wife, but I'm just saying she's going to want a kid soon. I know maybe. I'm putting you on the spot maybe. here. My, if my sweet wife happens to listen to this, I will... Plead the fifth and let her speak for herself. I know that you're not going to tell your I, wife. I'll to say this: to this I'm a I'm a very lucky man. I'll tell you that. I'm I'm in over my skis, outkick my coverage. However you care to say it. I know the feeling. It's one <laughs> of those things, though, where you you have. I mean, I have two women in the household now. You're outnumbered. I'm so outnumbered. You're, out, you're toast. Thank you for for waiting. You had a tasting that you did in this room. Amy was texting me. Amy, the the awesome. Are you the creative director? Is that what? Communications director extraordinaire. I was trying to get her to come over because she actually has a radio show. She does real radio. Correct. She doesn't do a podcast. But she was calling me like, where are you? And I'm like, yeah, I just got the kid to bed. I'm sorry. So thank you for understanding. Oh, honored to be here. Thanks for having us. And you are based out of Louisville. You are the sales manager. Yes, sir. So what does a sales manager for New Riff do? Oof. Um, so I was hired on as the Kentucky sales manager. Um, my business card that you're holding has was quickly outdated. My hat collection has grown substantially since day one in the last 18 months. Um, it's a bit of anything and everything. You know, with a, with a young brand like ours, there's plenty of gospel to preach and plenty of, of people to turn onto the brand and let them know about that. So anytime I have a downtime where I can break away from the, you know, the dreaded inbox, email inbox, which takes up a large <laughs> chunk of my, of my existence, you know, I get to do the fun stuff. I get to sit down and drink whiskey with people and talk about, you know, what we do, how we do it and why we do it the way we do. You guys are such a young brand. You know, and I don't want to go into this too long. We all know that you guys started, Ken owned a store. He turned that store into a distillery. He turned that distillery from sourcing stuff to putting out your own distillate. Sure. And we know that there's a spotlight whenever that stuff happened. How Absolutely. long have you been at New Riff? Were you there when that spotlight was kind of cast upon you guys? I was actually baptized under that spotlight. I'm, I came on a month before we launched New Riff to the public. Oh, man. Right. Right. I mean, um, at that time, our sales director, Molly Lewis, was essentially the entire sales force. And in OKI, as good as it was to us and as great a whiskey as it was, there was only so much to sell, only so much demand. Of course, that demand went through the roof as soon as, you know, you said you weren't making anymore. There's the secret. If you want to sell your whiskey, quit making it. Right. I remember those last six months. And everybody was like on the boards on Facebook, like, man, I, I saw three cases of OKI at such and such a store <laughs> right. in Kentucky. And like right. people were driving up from Tennessee to go get some OKI. Yeah. Yeah. It was for me, it was a, a bit of a surreal experience. I mean, I've, I've been around bourbon my whole life and to basically come in at the start, you know, at the starting point for this brand new brand that full disclosure i didn't know how well it was going to do i mean if we're honest none of us did we were confident we felt good we worked extremely hard poured our heart and soul into it and we did it in a way that we thought was the right way but you know the market's going to be the market and they're going to let you know i mean the bourbon industry pulls no punches especially no. the yeah the whiskey drinkers <laughs> they will they'll tell you so we were going to find out and we were going to find out quick. So it was, for me, it was a bit of a baptism under fire. I mean, it was the fastest, happiest six month blur that I can recall. I think for that whiskey community, you had those drinkers that kind of sat there and go, wait, 
this is you know we've been burned in the past from from brands that were switching and putting out some stuff. This is really good. The surprising thing to me was how much I loved that bottle in Bond. Full disclosure, and this is nothing against your guys' single barrels, but when your bottled in Bond came out, Zeke and I got a sample, and we mm-hmm. had it against one of the single barrels, and we go, that hundred proofer is such a good drinker. We actually reached out to your team and said, can we do a bottled and bond pick wow. over a single barrel pick? Very cool. And we got denied. Right. Yeah. We have yet to dip our toe in, into that. And if so. you guys want the dads to be the first, <laughs> I just want to throw that out there that we really liked that bottled and bond. It's nothing against the single barrel. Sure. sure. I, I kind of think that. And this goes into a whole interesting conversation because, you know, Larry did do a lot to set you guys up just like he did with MGP. I feel like that sweet spot for MGP is like eight to 11 years. I don't even think we've seen the full potential of what new riff is going to do. Oh, I would agree. So I'm interested not to jump the gun because this is something that I would typically ask later on down the interview, but... Do you guys have stuff that is over four years that's aging that you're waiting to put out? Sure, I can speak to that. Before I do, and make sure I circle back, I know that our our co-founder Jay Ayersman and our head distiller Brian Sprantz will um, take a great deal of pride in hearing your affinity for the bottled and bond. I mean, we, you know, there's an interesting dynamic in the public. Uh, I see it a lot when I'm out in the market. Um, single barrel can sometimes be in the minds of consumers synonymous with superior quality. And the fact of the matter is that depends on which barrel you're drinking, right? And who's drinking it. And the mood you're in. Of course. I mean, everybody's palate changes depending on, I mean, there are untold factors that can play a role there. But truly, the more impressive thing about our bottle and bond or really any flagship brand, any go-to bourbon that people like to grab off the shelf it's one of the more impressive things about that is that is made from dozens, if not hundreds of barrels. So the, the people putting that blend together are working with truly unique puzzle pieces every day. So for them to fit that in and create the same picture over and over, I think that's lost on a lot of people. I mean, those those standards that we take for granted, they don't come easy. Oh, it's crazy in talking to a lot of people that blend and what goes into it and all the different configurations that you could actually make from, you know, we would take a hundred barrels and we might think like, all right, yeah, we can come up with a couple different profiles. They're like, yeah, I have 55 different profiles from these hundred barrels, but then I have this stuff left over and then you got to remember because everybody thinks like, oh yeah, you know, you just take. If they say it's an eight barrel blend, well, you not, might not be using a hundred percent of every single one of those eight barrels. Exactly. So then it's like, how do you figure out what you're doing with the rest? And it's a lot of puzzle. Well, and then to complicate matters, we're every whiskey we produce that isn't a barrel proof single barrel is bottled in bond, bourbon, rye, anything that will come out after that. And that complicates things even more so because you can only work within one distilling season. The reason we took that difficult path to go bonded across the board is simply bottled and bond, amazingly so, written in 1897, is damn near perfect the way it was. I mean, it's it's the strictest quality standard for an aged spirit in the world. I mean, it's almost perfect quality standard that's centuries old, and, and here we are, and that if we're going to be quality first, then let's tie ourselves to that forever and always. Even with a tax stamp on the front. I mean, it's not an actual right. tax stamp. Yeah, but, yeah. You know, you, your marketing team has gone so far as to have you know, that on the top and, and kind of a nod to the, the bottle and bond stuff. Yeah, and, and I know um, um, we've, we've gotten a little bit past uh, the, the older age, so please well, ask me again, but we're, we're flowing here, It's right? okay. So, I feel the flow. Yeah, cool, cool. Yeah, I mean, we, we have the tax strip. We like to list the distilling season, which is no longer a requirement under the Bonded Act. But at, at heart, we are traditionalists, but we also don't want, one, we don't want to be tied tr- to tradition. We don't want to be handcuffed by it, but we also don't want to take advantage of it, right? I mean, we're, we're babies, as you mentioned. We're an extremely young company. So it would be all too easy just to literally step in the footprints of all these giants that came before us, and we could more or less ride the coattails. But 
what is that doing for for everyone, right? We want to bring something worthwhile to what's already a phenomenal category. I mean, American whiskey, we're, we're, in, we're walking in high cotton right now. I yeah. mean, this is a special time. But, you know, it instead of simply latching on and, and going for a ride, we want to see if we can create a little something new while still honoring everybody that came before us. It really pisses me off when people say that four years old is young because of the Bottled and Bond Act, right? Like, right. let's not go tell people, you know, something comes out that's four years and people are like, yeah, it tastes young. I'm like, four years is the standard according sure. to the Bottled and Bond Act. Right. You know, you could call something two years young, one year young, but let's not call four years young. I mean, let's think about what Jim Beam and Maker's Mark and what those folks are putting in their product, what Jack Daniels puts in their product, what Evan Williams is putting in their product. It's like four years old is not young. It doesn't have to be, no. 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 And I think it's almost a disservice when you have a craft brand like yourselves. You're not putting out a two-year-old product at 80, 90, 100 bucks. You're putting out a solid four-year product at 50 for the, you know, for the cast strength and above. Sure. And people should be celebrated at least for not screwing over the bourbon community and not, you know, knowing if you talk to Bernie Lubbers from Heaven Hill, he says it all the time. This is a whiskey business. It's not a whiskey charity, but you can still celebrate (laughs) when understanding you guys have to do a business. Sure. But understanding you guys could have done something different with your pricing model. And I think it also adds to the affinity of the brand and how you guys were able to do that transition so well is you didn't try to screw anybody over. You tried to put out a decent product at a decent price. And I think people took to that. Well, I appreciate hearing that. I know everyone else at New Riff would as well. I mean, a lot of that goes back to Ken's retail knowledge. You know, of course, he he knows what, what he thinks is fair. And again, we don't have any outside investment, so no one's pushing to get their return on investment right away anything like that and we you know we hear a lot you know that's that's really good for a four year and i've actually seen people kind of elbow their buddy that said it to my face as if it's going to piss me off but truth be told it 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 doesn't piss me off i think it it's honestly a a true compliment i'm 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 not going to sit here on this podcast and say you know what four years is the sweet spot go burn all your eight-year whiskey because it's too old like no that's crazy and this kind of brings us back to your initial question, we will get older, you know, and whether or not that means better is up to the consumer at that point. But we are holding back roughly 30% of our monthly inventory to get older. You know, we're in this for, for the long play, right? This is not, this brand has not been built to sell. It's not going anywhere. We're not, it's not going to belong to a huge conglomerate in two years. That's not how it works for us. So we certainly didn't want to come out of the gates and all of a sudden become the bottle that you buy and you put away and it gets dusty and then you know when you get the big promotion or you're having a, a super bad day or however it goes you go and crack it open this stuff is meant to be purchased and shared with friends and and shown around and then you know get to the bottom of it and go grab another i mean this we'll get to that point you know maybe we'll have some monster 15 year that demands a, a hefty price tag but even then i'll tell you it'll probably be cheaper than it could be I won't say should be, but cheaper than it could be. You know, I mean, the way things are now, we we could have rolled this out and gotten some more for it, but that's not that's not really how we're cut. That's that's not the end game for us. When that comes out, just remember the little people you <laughs> met. Along remember, the way. remember the friend that offered up to do the first bonded single barrel. Yeah, right? just just gotcha. you know, <laughs> I just need an ounce. That's really all I need. You will not be forgotten. I just need to taste it. But I think going back to what we were saying in the the very beginning as we went in here, you didn't have it. You you started this company. You got the job. You were going in at kind of this time of, all right, well, I don't know. There's going to be a big transition here. There's going to be a big switch. Right. What do you think when you actually had it? Well, so uh, my uh, somewhat my my courtship with the company, how it came to be, it, it was interesting. I, I was in the I was in the wine business at the time, um, and through a connection, had the opportunity to interview, and what have you. Um, but it was still very much under wraps. You know, um, I didn't get to see the bottle until after I took the job, 
almost two weeks after I took. And the Ranger bottle, it's square. Yes. Yeah. So, so you were going in, and you you didn't see the bottle. It was it was very much a um, a leap of faith, right? Um, you know, I again, well, we didn't really get into this, but I was born and raised in Bardstown. I was going to ask you, so thank okay. you. Yeah, uh, born and raised in Bardstown. Uh, grew up around bourbon, well, by osmosis, of course. Um, had some uh, very close friends that are uh, big in the industry, what have you. Um, so it's it's been near and dear to my heart for a long time. And, and I was in the alcohol distribution business, you know, selling wine and spirits. And I noticed there was obviously a, a huge wave of startup distilleries, right? And some that I felt were doing it a way that... Um, I thought was right and some that I didn't necessarily get behind. And truth be told, I'm not a good enough salesperson to uh, sell something that I don't think is worthwhile. So when I initially got the call, I No, did, I, I mean, didn't... you can't stop believing in the brand that <laughs> that you're selling. Right. No, you cannot. You cannot. Great cameo there. I mean, Thanks. sometimes, you know, the brand that you're selling just needs to go on and on and on, on and on. And on, and on. <laughs> Well done. It's, well done. There, for those of you that can't hear it, don't stop believing. Just you, we, I heard that bass. We have a dance party downstairs going on. There is a dance party going downstairs. It was like, do, 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 do. And I'm like, that is don't stop believing. I mean, we got a few mics in here, you know. We can we can crash the party. You ever see that Family Guy episode where, like, everybody's somewhere and they're like, hey, PETA, is that Journey? And then, <laughs> yes. like, they all run and they yes. go... Absolutely. Sorry. So you? Well, no. Here we are. Here we are. Um, yes. So, so when I initially got the call about this this brand in Northern Kentucky that I'd heard whispers about, but really didn't know anything about what they were doing themselves. You know, I was familiar with OK High, but um, so I was admittedly apprehensive, right? Because I didn't want to be in a position where I had to, you know, put lipstick on the pig, as they say, or put a spin on something that I didn't believe in i mean there are people that are great at that all you know more power to them you can make a lot of money doing that right yeah but that's not um i'm not comfortable i wouldn't be good at it right so no i'm glad you held on to that feeling yeah (laughs) i held on to it (laughs) on and on and on yeah (laughs) let's see okay sorry damn it here we are here we are drinking whiskey here we go no um but I, I, I got in the room with some people and we, we talked about the philosophies of the brand and all that. But really, there were the, the first thing that really started to get me in there was when they said they were going to be bottled and bond like forever and always. So that immediately alleviated or it answered a lot of questions and alleviated some of my concerns about quality and, and approach and, and things like that. And then I was. So the second you found that out, you said to them, I'm forever yours faithfully. Faithfully. Wow. You're killing it. You're killing it. I'm, I'm not even going to try to keep up, but you can keep them coming. I mean, you weren't worlds apart. <laughs> anyway, you want. <laughs> I can do this all day. So that that had to have been something that was super appealing then. It, to know that they, they had a standard of quality that they wanted to hold themselves to. Right. And, and across the board, not just on one label or what have you. So really... Beyond the the bottle, which I was told I couldn't see, so I, I had to make peace with that, right? Small detail. There was this elephant in the room, right, that I was afraid to address and, and uh, you know, try to hold your cards close to your to your chest. But I was, I was afraid to hear what we, you know, or what they at the time, we now, might try to get for such a bottle. And when Ken told me their target retail and they said bottle and bond, the last thing I needed to do was taste it. And beyond that, I mean, I was forever theirs, faithfully, you might say. You know the piano player wrote that song? No idea. It wasn't Steve Perry. I learned something today. Yeah, I I mean, you're a couple years younger than me, so I'm sure Journey was not on the playlist. My Journey repertoire is not as 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 deep as as others. I would imagine. You got to have that kid so you could start getting this dad humor. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) Now you just kind of look at me like. You know, I'm a dumbass. But once you have a kid, you those just be start making yeah. those jokes. And like, if Zeke was here, he'd be elbowing me at this point. <laughs> what was your favorite? Because because it came out. You know, you had the hundred proof. Then the Bonded single barrel. barrel came after that. Yes. Then you had the rye bonded rye, right? And then you had the barrel proof rye. Yes. 
That's so, our newest, most recent line extension. So there were, it, it's kind of common waves. Yes. Do you have one you've liked the most so far? You know, I mean, I know that's like asking you to, to pick a favorite. and A favorite child that I don't have. A right? favorite child that you don't have, but also like while all these people from your company are kind of sure. looking at you from behind, yeah. like saying like, hey, don't screw it up. No, so, no. No, no pressure here. I mean, it it really is tough. And as, as you mentioned, sometimes it, it's the mood, it's the weather, it's it it's what you had for lunch. I mean, it, it can really vary, right? I'm a I'm a very um, opportunistic drinker. Like I, you know, I'll, I'll get into wine, I'll get into beer, gin, what have you, right? So it does vary. You know, that said, I don't want to be you know a, a total politician. I'm going to give you an answer here, right? Um, I have always had a, a real affinity for that bonded rye. Now, I, it, I know it's maybe a little less uh, popular to the masses. And again, I was surprised by that. I didn't, I actually didn't accept it internally for a while because, you know, I'm born and raised bourbon kid, right? I Out mean, of you're just a small town boy. Just a small town boy. Born and raised in South Bardstown. Yeah, right. <laughs> Lonely world of Bardstown. And so I was a bourbon guy forever. And forever. then you took the midnight train to Cincinnati. <laughs> right. Yeah. Straight to Cincinnati. I'll stop. I'm no, it's fine. Keep them going. I, you know, I, like I said, I just can't compete. So you, you keep lobbing them up, and I'll just, I'll just keep whiffing. It's not for you. It's more like you can't see them <laughs> for, behind for our you. crowd. For you the need crowd. a mirror, but for all the people behind you, like they're uh, like, shit. He's still doing it. Yeah. No, the rye. I just finished a bottle of the rye a week or two ago, um, and. I, I really like it. I really liked the rye. I really liked the bonded bourbon and the bonded rye. And I think one of the things about it is you can have – I mean, I love some high-proof stuff. I think a lot sure. of people are out there just trying to get higher proof, though. If I'm editing, if I'm working late and doing the day job late, I can't be chugging 125-proof huh? whiskey. <laughs> I, I can do right. it once. No, of course, I'm kidding. I could do it once, and then I'm like, all right, I'm tired. I'm going to take a nap. Time and a place. But if I'm at it, you know, like, it's one of those things where you know 100 proof is going to be good. You know it's going to go down easy. And sometimes you don't always want a high proof. Sometimes you want a nice drinker. Sure. And I think the thing about the new riff that I really liked was that it's versatile. You know, it goes good in a cocktail. I know this is, everybody says it's cliche to say this, but <laughs> right. it goes good in a cocktail and it goes well neat. Yeah. And the funny thing I'd say is, see, y'all made me this cocktail and Jay made it back there. And Jay, I tried to get him to come on to talk about it. This is uh, a cinnamon si simple syrup, uh, some ginger, ginger beer, ginger beer. cranberry, yeah. and new riff. And it's amazing. I've been sitting here. I have a flight All board. All credit to Jay. Right in front of me, I have this awesome new Rift flight board that I really love with three glens on it. We'll sell it to you. Yeah. How much is it? <laughs> I, need, I, I, I need one. But it's got three glens in it. We have the, the bonded bourbon, the bonded rye, and another single one. Single barrel it. bourbon. With and the, the single barrel bourbon. But I've been sipping on this cocktail the whole time. Yeah. I did. You haven't touched your dinner. I did admittedly have a good pour of the regular <laughs> bonded bourbon before we started, but gotta this, get acclimated. This cocktail's great, Jake. It's so. I mean, I think it just speaks to the versatility that you guys have. Yeah. It, well, thank you. I, I think I think a few things come into play with that, right? I mean, and it goes back to the bottle and bond act just being so spot on. I mean, hundred proof is kind of that sweet spot. And where it is versatile, it won't get lost in a cocktail, but you're not, you also won't, it won't leave you wanting if you drink it neat either. Also, I think our mash bill plays a huge role in that too. I mean, we're not bashful at all about our affinity for rye across the board. I mean, the bonded bourbon is 30% rye, as is the single barrel bourbon. And the bonded rye is actually 100% rye. So we, we're all in on that. And I think that rye really does play well in a cocktail. I mean, when anytime you're putting together a cocktail, it's almost impossible not to bring two or three other sweet elements to the party. It's just how it works. So that rye spice balances the equation a bit. Well, I think if you put two even 
You know, there are bourbons that are made that are very even keel and they're good drinkers, right? You're, you're making something that's very balanced. It's almost like wine. Sure. And it's very balanced. There's not highs, there's not lows. It's just a really good drinker. Those aren't bourbons I want to make a cocktail with because there's not a lot of flavor. Right. You know, and, and you're putting the whiskey in there and it can sometimes get lost with, you know, the cinnamon and the simple syrup and the... Absolutely. You know, the cranberry and the ginger. And having a little bit of note in there and a little bit of rye with that spice and even if there's a little bit of pine in that rye, which sometimes can come out. But this cocktail is just so Christmassy to me. Tis um, the season. It is. <laughs> it is the season. I... I got to give some to Santa. Oh, yeah. The name of this. Uh, you'll shoot your eye out. A little tip of the cap. Oh, kid. Yeah, we'll add kid. You'll shoot your eye out, kid. So this is the Santa quote, not the mom quote for all you <laughs> Christmas story aficionados out there. Right. So so you don't know Journey, but you've seen a Christmas story yes. a whole bunch yes. of times. Yes. Right. Right. I, I know Jay really just wants to show up to New Riff like in December in the bunny suit. We, we may or may not have one on, on site. <laughs> <laughs> I love that friggin' movie, by the way. It's, you know, it's, it's a classic for a reason. Love it or hate it. And, and it's TBS, you know, 48 hours of a Christmas story. Nonstop. There, nobody if you don't has like it, excuse. change the channel. You got to admire that. I tried to have my daughter see Elf the other day, and she's just too young for Elf. And she got like 10 minutes in, and I I tried to have her go through all the North Pole stuff. And she's just like, Daddy, I want to watch Frozen. <laughs> it's Frozen is it's the trump card. It's the ace in the hole. I know I'm talking about kids way too much with you. It almost makes me want to talk about it more. Yeah, you're really making me want to to have some. I, I got to say, I can watch Frozen and I can, you know, wrestle a monster before I can drink whiskey. I mean, Trust know, it sounds me, appealing. It's the best thing you'll I, ever do. I don't doubt. That's all I, I mean, ever it's hear. not for everyone, right? Like, if, if it's not for you, it's cool. Sure. It's cool. Sure. If you're... You know, we we take all sorts of dads and moms on this show. You could be like a fish dad or a dog dad. <laughs> I am a, a dog dad. dad. I have a I have a fur daughter that I love very much. What what kind of dog do you have? She is a bit of a um, a mangy mutt, um, border terrier, kind of one of those deals where she's so ugly she's cute, kind of thing. Oh. Right, face only a a father could love. I've mentioned that. I mean, this might be. You ever watch Seinfeld? Yes. You ever watch the Ugly Baby episode? He's something. Yeah. <laughs> that's one of my. He doesn't want to go. He's like, why do we got to see the baby? It's just going to be there, right? And that one's great, too, because Kramer steals the lobster traps. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Going back are. to the actual whiskey, though, I love that rye, and I think it does have a little bit of pine in it, but it's, it's very. It's it's pine, but it's spice, and I get you know that that a little bit of pepper, a little bit of spice in there, mm -hmm. um, but it's really just it's easy. I know it's a hundred proof, but it's easy. Not not only is it one hundred proof, but it's one hundred percent rye. And when I tell people that before they've tried it, they're instantly thinking, "Man, this is going to be some sharp spice bomb that's just going to burn me alive." And I don't think that's the case. I mean, it's it's strange to say that a 100% rye could be a gateway rye, if you will, but we might be flirting with that. I mean, the, the rye spice is very well integrated. It's broad across the palate, in my opinion. You know, some of my favorite things about it, it's, it's herbaceous, but almost more grassy in a pleasant way yeah. than, say, herbal, right? But then that mid palate's got this great citrus note. I mean, orange. If you if you just throw an orange peel in there, nothing else. Neat. Just throw an orange peel in there. It you'll see. I mean, the orange just lights up, and then you get this chocolatey kind of finish. I mean, again, I try not to tell people what they're tasting because as soon as you say it, that's what they're tasting. They go, "Oh man, I really get that citrus." Nailed now. it, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, nailed it. Um, so I, I like people to experience it on their own, but. Um, you know, I, I can't help but geek out a little bit. Um, and actually, shameless plug, if you'll allow me, we got, we got big news on the bonded rye yesterday morning. Um, we were named to the Whiskey Advocates 
top 20 of 2019. I saw that. Nice. A, a big shout out to number 17 right there. Congratulations, you all. Yeah, thank you very much. It was a, um, a happy day at the distillery. A lot of smiles. On a side note, Zeke and I, when we review something, so pulling the curtain back a little bit, we don't actually do it live. And we don't do any podcast live, but we don't we don't review <laughs> while we're recording. Sure. We taste it beforehand and make notes, and we don't share notes with each other. Good way um, to do it. The reason we were doing it that way is because Zeke is a big noser. So the first couple of shows, he was going, and I didn't want the whole show to, you know, and I was trying to edit it out, but I just had to edit out for hours just sniffing. Yeah. But we we don't share it with each other. So there are moments where he looks at me and I wish I had a camera there because he looks at me like, what the hell did you get? Right. Because our palates are yin and yang. I mean, I think that's the beauty of this whole thing. I mean, when you experience any... You know, whether it's whiskey, wine, beer, I mean, it's an intimate thing and it's something that only you have. I mean, and you can agree and disagree, but it's it's that whole argument. Is is your color orange the same as my color orange? We don't really know. And that's one of the great things that gets people talking about whiskey. And it's um, just all the way down to the way people taste whiskey. You, know, you brought up the uh, the sniffing. I was you know, years ago, I was, you know, being trained in the wine business on how to critically taste. And I had, well, it was a master psalm, actually, he leaned across the table. And he told me, listen, man, you're a hound dog, not a hoover. Because I was in that glass and I was just, like you said, just. And he's like, man, have you ever walked your dog and seen your dog just taking deep breaths on anything? No, man. He was like, you got to be short burst kind of thing. So that that brought me back to my to my wine days. I still use it now, though. It's a, it's a helpful tool for anybody that cares to try it out. Well, Zeke, if you're listening, which I know you're not because you're not on this show, but Patrick just came up with a new nickname for you, Hoover. <laughs> Hoover. <laughs> I'll meet you next time. <laughs> yeah, you will. He's a trip. The rye's good. The bonded is so good. The single barrel, I mean, I think it just varies, right? I mean, and that's by, the thing with definition. the single barrel. Yeah. Some I've got have been a little bit hot for me. Sure. You know, maybe a little bit of ethanol in there. And then some have been super, super good. I, it just, but that's the nature of a single barrel, right? By definition, you know, I, I hear a lot when I'm out in the market, you know, people will ask me that are new new to the brand, you know, which one's better, you know, the bonded or the single barrel? And it's an impossible question to answer because not only is that single barrel going to be different every time, you know, maybe one is very cinnamon forward. Maybe one is caramel apple. But if you hate one of those two, then it might not be your bourbon. And and like I said, I mean, that, that bonded product, whether it's ours or anyone else's, I mean, it, it, there's a mastery. There's an art there that is not present in any single barrel. So it's... um something to be celebrated now this single barrel is super unique i thought so too i tried it earlier and it as soon as i smelled it i said well that is something different i don't get that very often no it's almost got like a little bit of a funk i thought so too man it's almost a bit uh let me i've been trying to figure out the right way to the right word i mean you know there then again there is no right word right you kind of throw it out and See if it sounds good when you hear it with your own ears. No, but it's almost, I mean, it's a funk. It, it's. It is. It's a bit, um, you know, musty sounds negative, right? But no, I, it's it's the funk. It's yeah. not the musty, you know, no. it's not the old library book. It's just like, uh, it's like George Clinton and the Parliament Funkadelic yeah. funk. Yeah. And, and, you know, typically I gravitate towards those, you know, I mean, anytime I can get something. You got to be a turkey guy in, in some way. They make great stuff. No doubt. No doubt. Um, I mean, the good thing about the bourbon industry is everybody shows each other a little bit of love. But it's, it's amazingly, um, there's a lot of camaraderie, right? And I mean, that's one of the beautiful things. If 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 this bourbon boom leads us down a road where that no longer exists, then it wasn't worth it, in my opinion. The finish on this single barrel, it almost you know, it's a little dry. It's one of those ones that kind of makes you smack your lips, and it makes you want to have another sip of it right and that's dangerous especially with 111 proof you're yeah, sitting here and right like, at 111 yeah you know it's got a it, it's almost like a, a a salty funky corn nut 
coffee or, you know, I mean, there's, it's a tough one. That's a. With even a little bit of grass. Sure. In there. Yeah, this is, this is a cool one. I mean, I've, the, the tasting I did earlier, as soon as I got my nose in there, I was, uh, it jumped out at me. And that's, you know, again, that's, that's the intrigue of single barrels in general. And I think especially one that is barrel proof, right? There's no water being added. So you're really getting that barrel in its full expression. Well, and, and quick, I mean, this is a bit of a tangent, but something I kind of like to get into whenever we're on the subject. Uh, I think we are prone to possibly seeing greater barrel variation. I couldn't prove this, of course, but it's a fun talking point. The way we're set up, and this wasn't necessarily intentional, it's just the way we were built. Our beer well will hold essentially one fermentation at a time. So we distill one fermenter at a time instead of, you know, several fermenters emptying into some massive beer well. And by, I would think you'd auto you know, automatically be homogenizing that before it even goes to the still. I could be wrong. I could be right. You know, again, no way to really prove it, but every barrel is of one distillation, which maybe is, I wouldn't imagine it's completely unique, but it's probably not common amongst some of the heritage brands and and maybe not with the up and coming brands. I, I couldn't speak to it, but it's something I find interesting about our process. So what still do you have right now? I mean, I, I got to imagine with as much stuff as you guys have, are you to a column now or are you still oh, yeah. using a pot? No. So we were always column still. Um, on the on the cap of our bottles, you'll see a term, Kentucky Regimen. And that is an approach we take to all whiskey making. So that is the, you know, what we consider the traditional Kentucky whiskey distillation process, right? Open top fermentation, uh, distilling on the grain and column still and, you know, amongst other things. So even when down the road, say, if we did make something that's not, you know, a traditional bourbon or, or even a rye, or even maybe it mirrors something made in another whiskey region of the world, it will still be made through the Kentucky Regiment. So it will still have that unique lens that it's being put through. So yes, uh, column still all the way. I'm glad you guys are sticking to tradition unlike Nashville. This is not my Nashville right now. Hashtag hashtag not my Nashville. We're hearing it bump. What happened to like country music? Well, country ain't country no more. No, country ain't country no more. I'll die on that hill. This is like Vegas. Yeah, man. What the shit? I don't know. You got got too big for your britches. You know, it's how it goes. You know, you you, you get to a point. But speaking of Nashville, what took y'all so long? Yeah, fair question. I was going to start off the whole podcast. (laughs) I mean, I told you. Yeah, you you said that was going to be your first question. You've... And and that's the only question I told you I was going to ask. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Um, but you guys have been in for the day. You're kind of seeing the culture a little bit more. And I was talking to Amy before you guys came down. And I was like, Amy, you're going to be surprised when you come to Nashville. It's it's not what people expect here. So what is your first impression of Nashville? As a, I mean, what time did you all get in today? Well, so I got in this morning, what, um, around 10 local time, which is what, you know, 11, your 11, time. my time. It's, so you're a, it's a two and a half hour drive. It's, it's not so bad yeah. from Louisville. Uh, the Cincinnati folks had a, had a longer haul, no doubt. It's not um, bad. <laughs> I haven't been a stranger to Nashville in general for, you know, for years, but it's certainly changing by the day as anyone that lives here knows. Um, why it took us so long, right? That's basically what I told our sales director when I got to find out I could start coming down here and, and preaching the gospel because it's a, it's a fun town. I, I love the South. And the answer is we, we just weren't ready. I mean, we're, we're built a bit differently, right? If, if you, if you want to start a company, get hot and sell it off, you, you want to distribute as, as wide as you can, as fast as you can, right? That is not our model. So we are, we're, we're trying to go deeper instead of wider. Okay. So it's a very slow growth outward. We don't go into a market until we are confident that we can fully support it. Because again, we don't want to be that hard to find bottle that, you know, people are afraid to open or, you know, people are prone to flip. I mean, this should be approachable. This should be dependable. This should hopefully become someone's new favorite every day. So 
if we rewind the clock back to when I first started, our launch in Kentucky went significantly better than we had even hoped. And to keep that promise of not running out, we actually had to postpone, you know, going into a state like Indiana that's right there. Yeah, but nobody cares about Indiana. I mean, they have a crap basketball team and listen i'm a i'm a uk fan so i was gonna be political but if you want me to dog indiana we can talk basketball i mean if you're gonna have candy stripe uniforms you better win yeah if you're, <laughs> you're gonna look but i no. mean shit we no. just lost to evansville that's so true we, we man no yeah they've got plenty of ammo uh, we're getting down here just now because we we are just now to the point with our inventory because again you have to rewind the clock back to what we were doing four years ago And we're just now to the point now where we're confident that we can support the Nashville market as it deserves to be. You know, it it doesn't do us any good to sprinkle a few things in here, you know, just enough to piss people off, as I like to say. Um, You know, we wanted to make sure we were in the right place and that we were ready to really come in and give the city its due. It's a great whiskey town. I'll tell you that. I mean, people love their whiskey and, you know unsurprisingly very warm open hospitable we're gonna have a lot of fun down here yeah and it's what i tell people is the proximity to kentucky from here i mean you have a lot of people who will drive 45 minutes to an hour to go up to bowling green right just to hit up you know liquor bar and chucks all all the places right on the border there and get those kentucky only releases i mean the bottled and bonds that you can only get in Kentucky that are still at fair prices and yep. things like that. Yep. But, you know, and also get those special releases that, that are only going to be in Kentucky. But there's such a, a crazy, loyal, rabid whiskey base here in, in Nashville that, and it's what I was telling Amy too, is that they're educated. So you have a lot of people in Nashville that are on the boards. They're reading everything. They're they're up to date with what's going on. I mean, there's like four whiskey podcasts that are out of Nashville yeah, alone. Right. I mean, you you have your own great whiskey tradition down here, right? It's I mean, it's all it, not altogether different, but it's certainly different than what we have in Kentucky. But I mean, hell, who's going to take away? I mean, who's going to knock the Tennessee tradition? I mean, you guys have been making oh, whiskey for a very long time. It's more fun. But I, I, they're a few years behind, and that's why it's more fun. So where I think Tennessee is back, you know, when you hear all the stories in Kentucky when, you know, Jimmy and Booker and Elmer and all them were all friends and they all hung out. Of course. That's where we are in Tennessee well, is that everybody's, everybody is banding together. The trail's newer, but you got to remember Prohibition ended later. Repeal Day. Today. Repeal Day is today. We are recording this. This will come out next week, but Repeal Day was today. (laughs) And and at the same time, right, Tennessee was a county by county. And I don't know if you know this, but uh, for for distilling, they had to go county by county to get that change. So Davidson County had to go and make sure it changed here so how it could go in Nashville. Then like Hamilton County had to go change to Chattanooga. So it wasn't one thing where like the state was like, okay, everybody can distill again. It was only Jack, it was only George, and it was only Pritchard's until wow. they changed county by county. Okay. You know, and then the Moonshiners and, right. and all that, right. which was their own kind of thing in East Tennessee. But everything was county by county. So for, for Tennessee, it was so – prohibition ended and then still it was another 70 years before – distilling really took off mm-hmm. or sorry it was 70 you know a lot of these places just started distilling in 2012 so if you think where kentucky was okay tennessee's 70 years behind yeah well you know i would um but i love the trail i mean they're putting out some great would, stuff down here well you know when you said you have people being friends and it's a bit smaller i would say you know enjoy it it's almost like and i don't even mean to say you know, Tennessee whiskey's younger or anything. I'm kind of building off, off your statement, but you know, there's that saying youth is wasted on the young, right? You don't realize what you have until it's gone. And and I don't think that's necessarily gone in Kentucky by any means. Right. But to, to say it's the way it used to be, I don't, I don't think anybody would tell you that it is different. And there are positives with that, but there's a, 
you know, anytime you gain something, you're going to give something else up. And I, there's that has certainly changed to an extent, I would say. I mean, I'm not going to make fun of your handlers back there, but like Tennessee doesn't have handlers. <laughs> so that's, that's the difference, right? You're just like, making sure I don't screw this thing up, man. But that, that's the difference when you're... When you're interviewing someone from Kentucky. Amy's got a buzzer back here. She's been zapping me every time I get off subject and say something I'm not supposed to. You haven't said anything (laughs) that you're not supposed to, but I think one of the differences is there's a corporate... Kentucky is more established and has the establishment, and, and Tennessee has a lot of people figuring things out. And that's not saying there's some great stuff coming out down here mm-hmm. that you might not even know about. And it might not just be straight whiskey. H. Clark has an amazing gin, but they also have this black and tan whiskey right. that right. It, it almost tastes like an oatmeal stout. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. then you have Chattanooga whiskey that is another brand that is coming off of MGP. And they're putting out their own distillate. We're we're friends with Chattanooga Whiskey. They've come up and spent spent some time with us. Tim's yeah. great yeah. down there. But like you got those folks that are doing that. Some guys out in East Tennessee that are doing some cool stuff with Rock and Rise or some Moonshines or Rye in general. You know, Sugarlands, which is typically a, a Moonshine distillery, is doing some crazy things with Rye. Sure, they're Roman man. So this is a new riff show. <laughs> I digress. I'm sorry. And just just two whiskey nerds. You know. Yeah. Oh, having yeah. it out. But what do you think? I mean, do you think it was just the price? Do you think it was the quality of the distillate? What do you think kind of turned the new riff in the beginning in Kentucky when you said you had to hold back launches other places? What do you think contributed to that? Well, you know, I think... Was it just you guys did better than you thought you were going to do? You know, I think it... It'd be impossible to really say it was one thing, of course, you know, just as it comes to making whiskey, it, there's too many, too many variables involved. And, but I will say this, you know, I mean, you can have the slick bottle and you can, you know, uh, market yourself well and you can say you did it the right way, right? But eventually there's going to be a guy like yourself or myself, what have you, that goes home, pours it in a glass and tastes it, right? And if they don't like it, they're not going to buy it, right? It's just not going to work. It's not going to stick. I think that's where the difference was made. People appreciate what we've done. And yeah, it's, it's quote, you know, air quotes here, really good for a four-year-old, you know? And I also think, I think some people were, were looking for a startup that they felt didn't cut any corners. And I'm not saying we're the only ones that have done that, right? But it's a scenario where we worked really hard. We did it our own way. And you know, there, it is bonded without chill filtration. And that alone to the educated, the learned consumer, if you will, that speaks volumes in and of itself. But still, man, eventually it's going to get in the glass. It's going to be drank. And that's, I mean, that's when it's decided. No salesman like myself, no marketing person can overcome that. So, I mean, the credit goes back to the distilling team, Brian Sprance and, and everyone else back there that that just has worked their ass off and made some some good whiskey. I, I think that is what it all comes back to. What else should we be expecting? I mean, is there anything for, for next year? You said you have something under the table that... Well, and it's, it's not... Uh, I was making sure I wasn't kicking something <laughs> to... You know, I have big feet, so... Um, no, and, um, you know, I hate to disappoint you, but I am not packing the Balboa rye, which is one which was one of our newer one-off releases that truly disappeared in the matter of of hours so everyone was a big fan of rocky yes that That, is that's how it it came about strictly a a tip of the cap to the italian stallion (laughs) himself Uh, what what is balboa yeah yeah we can get on that quickly i'm sorry i don't have anything to pour for you but balboa rye um was a a rye whiskey that we made from an heirloom variety of rye called balboa rye um, it was grown exclusively for us by our corn farmer in Indiana, uh, Charles Fogg, two G's, single family operation, but certainly a, a world class operation. And he grew this heirloom grain of Balboa rye that was prominent in the 40s, was actually developed in the 30s, but but really had its heyday a little bit later and was distilled with often, but pretty much fell into absolute obscurity over the years. Uh, 
we're the only ones that I know of that have distilled with it in any type of, of recent history. Um, and it was a bonded product. It was 95% Balboa rye, 5% malted rye, a lot like our bonded rye that we have here tonight. Um, and the interesting thing about that was it wasn't just like, you know, a little bit of Balboa rye in there. I mean, it was 95%. So you really got to experience that in and of itself and, and really see what that grain was like. And it, it it's beautiful stuff. It's like a southpaw knocking you in the, the ninth, tenth round and coming from behind and scoring a victory, <laughs> finding their wife in the crowd and saying, we did it. Adrian. <laughs> Adrian. No, we <laughs> were we were really proud of that. Well, and, and your, your question was, what can we expect, right? Um, so they're I still don't rye. know. You haven't turned this around, so I oh. don't know what this is yet. Single barrel rye. Ooh. Yet to find its way to Tennessee. Soon. I hope soon. Very soon. 2020. Next year. The nose on this is really, really good. So this is a true line extension. This is not a, a, a limited release such as the Balboa rye. Exact same mash bill as the bonded rye, but instead of a blend of about 20 barrels and proof down to 100, of course. Again, just one barrel. Entry proof is the same as the single barrel bourbon, 110. So actually identical, no, 111.1. It's almost, it was so close. A scotch higher than the bourbon we just had. I like this better than the bonded rye. Do you? I just think it's got a little bit more overall character and maybe yeah. it's got a little bit more of, you know, I know you guys are 100% rye, but this one almost has a little bit more bourbon yeah. to it. Yeah, it's got a little... I, I mean, I kind of like those like Knob Creek ryes where it's not all the MGP rye, you know, where where you get that 95.5 and you know what to expect with the MGP rye. I kind of like those Kentucky ryes that change things a little bit. Sure. And sometimes they're real bourbony, sometimes they're real rye, and you don't know yeah. uh, which one you're going to get. I kind of get that a little bit with this one where... Even though it's a 95.5, I think that five was really strong. Yeah, right. One. It's not a 95.5. It's a 100. Well, no. but it is actually. It's a 95.5 of our own interpretation. So it is 95.5, but that five is malted rye. Nice. So there's something, and this is perhaps a couple years away, but we have uh, and we have and still do make a 100% malted rye. That, oh. that will be one day out to the masses that a bit of a unique bottle there for sure well sometimes you got to get in there yeah and wobble you gotta wobble lean with it rock with it all that stuff just back it up back it up back <laughs> it up sorry for i i still we hear the bass <laughs> and i hear the wobble you can't ignore it it's omnipresent and i want to know who plays the wobble <laughs> at a club it was it 2019 it's 2019, but Last it's not a wedding. Like the <laughs> no. only time you should play the wobble I don't now. Know, what is the at hell's a going on down there? Maybe, maybe we're wasting our time up here. It, are we going to go down? I mean, you know, I think we should. We've got some whiskey to bring to the party. We should have you come back on again. We should talk a whole bunch about New Riff and how things go in Nashville. And let me just take a second to wish you and everybody else with the New Riff team continued success and success in nashville we loved what you guys have been doing so far we're fans i'm a drinker i've driven up to kentucky to get new riff i'm happy i don't have to do that anymore thank you and i want to thank you guys you, you or pr had sent us a couple so those have already been drank Good. so thank you for that Good. too we've done shows on you just fans of what you guys are doing keep it up Thank you for taking the time to come on the show. Where can people find New Riff? I mean, where are you going to be in Nashville? Where can they find you on socials? All that fun stuff. Our Instagram is New Riff, at New Riff. Uh, one word, of course. In Nashville, we, we barely dipped our toe into the market um, at the end of this year. Again, just get down, not so much about you know moving bottles, but making partnerships and getting to know people. As of 2020, we will be in Nashville-wide distribution. So if you don't see us, ask for us. Do me a favor. Help me out with my job, and, and we can certainly get it to you. Who, um, who's your distributor going to be? We are distributed with Ajax Turner. I will tell those guys, uh, you guys got to be everywhere. Anywhere and everywhere. 
All the time. I'm and watching them like a hawk. I will say, I mean, I know you can't comment on this, but just be ready. Nashville is going to do some great pick stickers for you. I think personally, one of the cool things about New Riff that has got you guys to really expand out is uh, all the ways that you can riff as <laughs> to steal your own joke that it you is, said to me. It is a, a riffable name, no it doubt. It is a riffable name, but looking forward to see what Nashville is going to do for for those and. Looking forward to, to you coming back. So thank you so much. I, I, I think we've got a bright future here. And and truly, I'm just man-to-man here, I appreciate you having us on. Um, again, as a kid from Bardstown, to be able to sit and talk and drink whiskey and maybe have a person or two listen is uh, humbling. It's uh, very Trust much me, appreciated. It's humbling for us. <laughs> yeah, right? Is this real? Are we working? Yeah. Well, I, we, we don't make... We're still in the red. We have sponsors and we're still in the red. So I want to let everybody know that you can find us on Dad's Drinking Bourbon on Facebook, Dad's Drinking Bourbon on Instagram, Bourbon Dads on Twitter. You can find us wherever you download your podcast. Please leave us an open and honest review just like we leave open and honest reviews about the whiskey we drink. Patrick, it's been a pleasure, and and one of the things I have a feeling we'll be talking to each other more than just on a podcast. So cheers. Thank you so much. Come find us in Nashville, Tennessee. Find New Riff in Tennessee. Cheers. Cheers from New Riff.